so much green spring. Um, channels, I'm on six. Is it coming through? Uh, so welcome everyone. Good morning. Hope y'all are doing well. Thank you again, Greenspring. That sounded fantastic. Um, th- while they're moving everything over, I just want to also announce that Donovan, William, and is it JP? Or J- I can't read my handwriting. JP? I couldn't tell if it was a D or a P. I'm like, I can't read my own handwriting. But they're going to also do um, a, a violin trio during the offertory. Uh, you definitely don't want to miss that. It's pretty phenomenal. So uh, again, that concert is this afternoon at 3 p.m. Uh, and it's free. You just have to bring a canned good. So uh, a couple of announcements. Can you all hear me okay? It's probably difficult, with, you know, but well, you've got everything else. There's more to look at behind me. So um, sign up for pictures. We're, we are doing a new picture directory. Uh, so you can sign up uh, your family, extended family, whomever. Many of you already have. Um, you can see, today you can see Jess uh, if you want to sign up for that. Also signing up, we have a Thanksgiving lunch uh, and slash Advent uh, party coming up on November 24th and in the past what we've had are people that sign up to bring items because it's a potluck so that sign up sheet is in the main hallway a- along that table and we ask that you sign up to bring something so we so we know what else we might need also on that table are giving statements uh, and in your pews my final announcement are these advent calendars. So they're at the ends of the pew. You can grab one and pass them down. You can take them home, put them on your refrigerator, um, share them with friends. But this gives an idea of all the different concerts that are happening or events that are happening, starting with the Thanksgiving Advent celebration. You can see that there's youth events, there's Advent caroling, there's Christmas concerts, both by the notables. uh, as well as uh, the Virginia Choristers and Greenspring, um, as well as our Christmas party and all the other good stuff. So invite you to just mark your calendars for all that. So with that, let us stand and do our gathering song here at 7th Street Christian Church. If you are visiting, um, we like to get ourselves moving a little bit and uh, praise God through song. And so we invite everyone to stand up. There are instruments that make sound. Some of you may have brought your own. Um, We're going to be singing This is the Day that the Lord has Made if you all want to jam on your fiddle. Donovan. (laughs) What key is it in? E flat. E flat. There you go. (laughs) Anyway, we invite you all to stand up. All right, Jensen's going to help us. We want to help pass out instruments. Awesome. So stand if you're able. Gather an instrument. Because this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, right? All right, let let us sing.
please remain standing and join me in the call to worship. The God of our ancestors has led us to this place. We are We have sworn to teach God's promises to all generations. We are The time is coming when Christ will come again in glory. We are witnesses. Let us tell the world of God's faithful love. We will worship and witness together. Please join me in the opening hymn number 464, God of Grace and God of Glory.
Please join me in the confession and words of assurance. God of mystery, we want to stay awake and be ready for your surprises, but we are tired and overcome with the usual routine. We want to wait patiently for the fulfillment of your kingdom, but we are frustrated by our need for immediate gratification. We want to believe your promises from ancient days, but we are overwhelmed with postmodern doubts. Come to us again, O God. Awaken us with your unexpected grace. Shock us with your daring mercy. Lift us up from lethargy and set our feet on your path once more. Encourage one another with these words. We God's promises are never forgotten. Do not grieve as those who have no hope. At peace with God, let us now share the peace of Christ with each other. Please be seated. Our first reading today comes from Psalm 78, verses 1 through 7. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will, tell, we will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a decree in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children, 
that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. The word of God. Thanks for filling in. I don't know where Miss Sharon is, but I think we should all call her this afternoon and check on her. Is she out with her girlfriend? All right, that's good. I'm glad she's okay. Our second reading comes from the Hebrew Bible, from the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Israel, long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons Abraham and Nair, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the god of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us all along the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed, and the Lord drove drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions, or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. 
He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made statues and ordinances for them at Shechem. God's word for us. As I was reflecting on this past week, I realized it held a culmination of a number of events that hold a significant impact on our history and community and our world. For the state of Virginia, it was an election week. This week also held the one-year anniversary of the Paradise Campfire where roughly 19,000 buildings were destroyed, 95% of the town of Paradise was lost, and 85 people lost their lives. It was also the 30th uh, year anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall that divided East and West Germany. And last night was the 81st anniversary of Kristallnacht, when anti-Semitic mobs led by SA parliamentaries went on a rampage throughout Nazi Germany, and synagogues and Jewish homes and businesses were all destroyed. And Jews were subject to humiliation and were arrested, and were at least 91 Jews were killed. This has been a big week. And that we should allow ourselves in it to take the time to reflect on it, to take note of our history and our hardships and our healing. To see that we are still moving forward and to take note of how far we have come. Our Hebrew Bible lesson this morning also does that. It's reflecting on a, the story of God's people taking inventory of their own experiences, of genuine community, of shared memories, and thankful spirits. And it sets a scene. And there is deep-seated emotion and powerful commitment in this story. Joshua gathers all of Israel to join together. The leaders, the officials, the military brass, and all the people to come and to present themselves before God. And then Joshua begins to talk. Imagine, if you will, there are people that Joshua has known all of his life. And they're all gathered there, 
warriors that he has fought with, families that he has laughed and cried together with, perhaps an old woman whose sons had been lost in the battle, and even a troop of young folks who are filled with energy and anticipation about the future. The conquest and hardships were pretty much past. And a bright future loomed before them. And Joshua must have thought of the time when Moses had turned leadership of this whole nation over to him and he shook into, in, in his boots until God reassured him that he would never walk alone. And now Joshua is at the end of his journey, just as Moses came to the end of his. And he would deliver his last sermon to the people and ask them to commit themselves to God as Moses had gathered the nation before him. His heart must have been full as he began. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your ancestors. And then he recounted how God had blessed them. When our hearts are full and the blessings of God are so evident, when we gather to celebrate our convictions and our community, our spirits cry out, God is great and God is good and God has brought us from nothing to something and we have been blessed beyond all that we deserve. Through Joshua, God says to the people, I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. The point was very clear. Though it had taken generations, the promises of God are certain, and faith in God's promises is, as the writers in Hebrew says, the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. That is, if God promised it, it's as good as done. And having gathered and having remembered, the central issue arises to the surface. Now, therefore. The central question that comes to the gathered nation of Israel and that comes to us as a community of faith today is who shall we be in light of what God has done? Who shall we be. I think it's important to pause here to consider the in light of what God has done. What has God done for us? What has God done for you? What has God done for me? To name what God has actually done for you, for me, for us. Because what happens is we get bogged down with our day-to-day -day and our busy schedules and our football games and our jobs and our kids and our housework. We actually forget to look up and notice what indeed God has done. 
And then, when a bad day comes along or a bad season, well, that no good God hadn't done anything for me lately. Well, that no good God let you wake up on the sunny side this morning. So that's something. At the beginning of the year, a friend of mine gave me a mason jar accompanied by a pen and several sheets of small paper. And on the top of the jar, she wrote, Holly's Gratitude Jar 2019. Her gift to me was the opportunity to write down all those moments to be grateful. So that if I'm ever having a bad day or season, I can reach into my jar and pull out one of those slips of papers and very much proclaim, this is what God has done. As for 7th Street Christian Church, we have a long, rich past. Nearly 190 years. From our first roots as Sycamore Church to our former building that actually was on 7th Street to our building today. Where we have helped service men and women during World War II. Where we have a phenomenal outreach to Liberation Veteran Services, to Meals on Wheels, to Acts, to Bright Beginnings, to Caritas, just to name a few, plus some fabulous music. But now, 190 years later, who shall we be in light of what God has done? And this is no easy question. And Joshua wants no lip service. He drives the point to his congregation by hammering home the idea that God alone is their strength and their source of light, life and that there can be no waffling in a commitment to God. Put away any other object of worship, he proclaims. God is absolutely jealous of your ultimate affections. And you cannot have a little bit of God when it suits you and then do whatever you want until your next big need comes along. And the people cheer with enthusiasm. Yes, of course we will choose God. But Joshua variously questions the people's sincerity and their profession of faith or doubts, their ability to keep their promises of loyalty. He almost cajoles them into their commitment. But we ought not to forget the context of this covenant scene. They have now entered the land. The promise made by God has been fulfilled. They have experienced the Lord's faithfulness. They, in turn, have often been rebellious and doubting or afraid. Their firm assurance has a hollow ring to it. Yes, there is truth in their statement about what the Lord has done, but is there any certainty of what they pledge? Surely we can relate of having good intentions, but lacking the follow-through. How many times have you said that you would do something and not followed through on what you said? 
How many times has this happened to you? We all do it. We commit to something and say, we'll take care of it. And we put it on our to-do list and then never think about it again. Or we have other things to do that simply become more important. Our intentions are good when we accept the responsibility, but our follow-through stinks. When we do it, we might experience some feelings of guilt at our forgetfulness or feelings of burnout or being overwhelmed that when we realize we've just taken on too much, And when others fail to follow through for us, we're frustrated and angry. But we're probably not always surprised. If we translate these scenarios to our relationships with God, our response are telling. When have we made commitments to God only to fail on the follow-through. How many times have you made a promise to God that for one reason or another you have not kept? How often do you find yourself responding to God when you had already told God no? Probably we have more examples of saying yes and acting no than saying no and acting out yes. The question I struggle with is why? Why do we do this? Why do we lack on the follow-through, both in our human relationships as well as our relationship with God? Is it really a case of good intentions gone awry, or as we want to believe, or is it something more at work here, something deep, deeper issue emerging? As one theologian puts it, Us humans deceive ourselves into believing that saying yes is like accomplishing half of whatever we've promised to do, as if the promise is something of value. But it's not. Sometimes a yes is sleep-inducing. The failure of follow-through creates a long way back to the truth. The truth is... A no, an honest no, possesses far more promise. A friend of mine shared that after voting, he walked out and was met by a woman who asked him if he wanted to serve as a party poll worker. He quickly responded, no. Not because he didn't want to, but because he had a lot of other responsibilities. And he realized that no is a complete sentence. And that he can't do everything. And he can't serve on every committee. Even if he wants to, his no held much more promise than, honestly, a half-promise yes. The world is quite inclined, even eager, to make promises, for a promise appears very fine in the moment. It inspires. Yet for this reason, the eternal is suspicious of promises. So this is why Joshua is so passionately hesitant to believe their answers. And herein lays the heart of the matter. 
Have the Israelites really grasped what loyalty to God is about and requires of them? They entered into the covenant at Mount Sinai, and Moses reminded them again of their obligations before entering the land. But is that enough? The passage today suggests not. There is a firm reminder here that at each stage of the journey with the Lord, there will be forces, strong forces, which will lure even those who have seen those great signs to pursue less faithful paths. Although community is central to the life of God's people, there is still a choice to be made by each of us. Joshua knows this, and it is in this last sermon he asks his people, his family, his friends, to renew their covenant their ancestors made to God. Joshua knows that our parents cannot make the choice for us. Our brothers or sisters cannot make the choice for us. The choice is not made for us by some kind of osmosis just because we come to worship or go through the rituals. There is a choosing of God that each of us must make for ourselves. So what will we do in light of what God has done for us? Have we really grasped what loyalty to God is about and requires of us? We cannot be considered Christians because our parents were Christians. We are not a church just because we attend worship or say we are 7th Street Christian Church. We are Christians and Christ Church because we choose to be. Because we choose to renew our covenant to God and to each other. Because we intend to be changed. Because we choose to leave here and let God mold us and shape us and make plans for us. Because we choose to let our actions reflect Christ's light to the world. I want us to be careful of the words we say and the promises we make. I like it when we pray together and lift our voices to God together and come to worship together. But today, instead of just going through the motions and promising lightly with our lips that we will be changed, I want us to look at ourselves. Do we intend to be changed? Are we really going to leave this place and let God mold us and shape us and make plans for us? What will our actions, our living, say about us? Joshua lays out the choice for the people. Revere the Lord and serve him faithfully. And then he expresses his choice. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And as for you, who shall you be in light of what God has done?
Who shall we be in light of what God has done? A call to reestablish our covenant and choose our faith. Let us stand and proclaim, rededicating ourselves to God and to the gospel as we sing our hymn of commitment found on page 602. Let us sing verses 1 and 4. seated. The Lord be with you. Join with me in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for this time together, for this time of worship and song, for this time of beautiful music, for these wonderful young people who share, have shared it with us, for the beauty of the music of this organ and piano, for the music of our voices. You love us when we work, but you love us even more when we sing and play. We thank you for the laughter, the pause, the thoughtfulness. We thank you for this time of hearing and learning the scriptures, for the prayers of our pastor and elders, for the food we are about to receive. We thank you for the opportunity to give, to share from our abundance, that our work as a congregation might continue and grow. Too often these days our world is a place of madness, total madness, where human rights and safety, necessities, dignity, hope and truth are disregarded, denied, abused and flaunted, where our earth's resources are wasted, her waters, land, animals are abused and destroyed all in the name of financial gain where things take precedence over people, where poverty is the fault of those who suffer from it, and wealth is a blessing, a guarantee given by you as a privilege and to help us be more influential and realize we are more a part of your kingdom and power is preferred over love. In our hearts, we know this is not how you intend for us to live. In our hearts, we know that you call us to be your people, 
to care for those in need, to make sure no one goes without, to be people of faith more concerned with following you than with keeping score on how many times we follow misunderstood archaic rituals and rules that keep us from loving one another. Hear our prayers for peace, equality, justice, love, and hope. Hear our prayers for healing. Hear our prayers for life. Hear our prayers of joy and thanksgiving. Hear our prayers of safety for all those dealing with fires on our, in our own country and in faraway places. Hear our prayers for all your people. In the name of him whom you sent to save us from our sins and from ourselves, who bids us to come and follow. Amen. I'm a, a chaplain at the University of Richmond, and one of the privileges that I have is to sit with students as they are asking big questions about life. And so this week, a student sat down in my office, and she was frustrated. And she wanted to know, how had I found my faith? You know, how had I found a tradition that I agreed with absolutely everything about what they taught and a faith community where I agreed with absolutely every person? She was just really curious how I had found that. And I laughed. More than was probably appropriate in that particular pastoral care moment. And I have some regret for that. But I laughed because I assured her that you will never find her tradition where you agree with everything. And you will never find a faith community where you agree with every person all the time. But then I told her about my denomination, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, where we don't have to agree because we agree that it is enough to come around the table and to see each other as whole and beloved and good. And I told her about this church where sometimes they let me bring my dog, even though She's a little rambunctious. And where I've seen toddlers wobble across the altar. And where I have seen children and 85-year-olds take communion. And where every week, no matter what is swirling around in our world, we choose to come here. Because we are certain that love is enough and that God is good. And so that is why I give. I give because when students sit with me and ask, what do you know to be true? What are you certain of? I don't know much, except I know that this place and these people 
and the sanctuary and the church we try to be together is good and worthy of my time and my effort, and I am grateful. Welcome to our offering. I invite you to give as you are able. gifts to you, generous God, even as we dedicate our lives to you. Keep us true to our promise that we may witness to you with all that we are and all that we do. Amen. You may be seated. We will tell about the Lord from generation to generation, says the psalmist. But the truth is, sometimes our passion for the story wears a bit thin. As we prepare to come to this table, do not let our weekly routine allow our passion to wane thin. As we come, let us remember that this table 
is Christ's table. It is not mine. It is not yours. It is not 7th Street Christian Churches. God welcomes all. And here we practice God's radical hospitality. It is here at this table that we can replenish our persistence, our patience, and our faithfulness for the long haul. So let us come. Let us share in our communion hymn found on page 425. as we gather around this table, we remember that Jesus gathered with his disciples and took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and said, this bread is like my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and blessed it and gave it to them and said, the wine in this cup is like the blood in my veins poured out to give you new life. Do this in remembrance of me. Friends and visitors who may not be familiar with how we do communion here at 7th Street, what you need to know is that no matter who you are or where you are from, you are welcome to this table and welcome to partake. Let us pray. It is good that this first day of this new week we are here in your 
house praising you and remembering your son Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, which was for our salvation. God bless this bread, the symbol of Jesus' broken body, and each of us here today so that we can know and feel that you are with us and know how we can let you truly be the guide for our lives. God, you know everything. Make us realize that continuously so we can feel the peace of your presence in our hearts, minds, and souls as we battle the challenges of this life and travel on your path to heaven. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Gracious God, Creator and Lord, we come to this table of remembrance grateful for the life of Jesus, which points for us the way to have a closer relationship with you. Help us to come closer to our goal of living a more Christ-like life each passing day. Help us to recognize you in the events of our lives and to give you thanks for our many blessings, large and small. As we share the cup of salvation and life in joyful communion with each other, may we feel your presence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
cup of love. Let us pray. Your love has brought us together, O Lord, and it is your love that sustains us through each day. We pray that you would keep us faithful, <clears throat> even as we watch for signs of your kingdom. Strength <clears throat> Strengthen us to work with you, to bring about, here and now, your reign on earth. Give us the courage to witness to your presence in the world, today, tomorrow, and into the future. We pray in the name of the one who comes and who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power and the glory forever. Amen. As we depart, let us join our voices one last time to sing our closing hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be. We will sing verses 1, 5, and 6.
remember, 3 o'clock, Greenspring has their concert here. Hope to see many of you back. And until then, receive this benediction. Go with the love of God, the peace of Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. We go to witness and to serve. Amen.